0: Welcome to another inspirational episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. Viveka Melki
1: is a storyteller, researcher, screenwriter, director. She's a documentary filmmaker of Brazilian Lebanese descent, born in The Gambia, West Africa, educated in England, move to Canada.
2: The most important thing about finding my stories is that I follow my instinct. I can say it's right down to getting the shivers when I think about something or read something, and I know right away that it's a story.
0: Monetizing your creativity asks the question, what does it take to earn a living with your creative talents?
2: For me, when I come up with a project, it's really the the spark of that project that matters first. What it's going to end up being, whether that is a film, A fiction, a documentary, a circus show, or an exhibition that comes down the road after the spark of that project has been born.
0: We focus on the success principles common to all disciplines by interviewing producers, directors, writers, actors, cinematographers, music composers, animators, designers, and much, much more. Learn how to create your own path to success. Let's roll.
1: Hello ladies and gentlemen and listeners everywhere, it's Fred Keating welcoming you to Monetizing Your Creativity. Now this is the podcast where we have experts come in, various art forms, and discuss the techniques and tips they have if you want to pursue your passion in creative arts activities and actually make a decent living while doing so, as I say, Fred Keating here. I'm sorry that my co-host and co-producer Marvin Polis is not with us today. He's somewhere in North America, discovering new and exciting people to talk to and talk with, and bring back to you, our listeners, in some 250 cities and almost 100 countries now around the world. So a quick thank you to all our listeners for uh, for tuning in. Viveca Melke is a storyteller, researcher, screenwriter, director. She's a documentary filmmaker of Brazilian-Lebanese descent, born in the Gambia, West Africa, educated in England, moved to Canada, is based in Rimouski, Quebec, and deeply immersed in filmmaking. Welcome, Viveka. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. What are some of the stepping stones in your career? What first attracted you to try to make your living moving from story to story, creating and sharing these stories with worldwide audiences?
2: Well, I did not come from film or film school or ever think I would be a filmmaker, I have to tell you. I was an immigrant to Canada. And when I came to Canada, I don't think that Canadian immigration was looking for filmmakers. They were looking more for people in marketing and communications, which is what I started out doing. So I only became a filmmaker about 12 years ago now. I'm 40 now and I have to say it's taken me until now to come into myself, you could say. So I did come from a very different background. Um, I had a degree in communications from Simon Fraser University here in Vancouver and, uh, and a minor in women's studies. So I came from a, a background that wasn't film at all, and I started making films about 12 years ago in Quebec.
1: Prior to making films, what in fact were some of the causes or or social issues that interested you to a point where you wanted to find out more and then share what you found out with viewers?
2: I think when you have a childhood in West Africa, you come from a background that has seen stories that need to be told. And I feel sometimes that I've been holding on to them all this time, just until it was the right moment to tell them. And many times... I don't think those stories are specific to a country or a continent. I tend to focus my films and my projects around communities, around people, around more human characteristics like uh, resilience and hope, uh, traits that I think... Cross borders, which in a way is my personal story. I crossed borders also. And so I think that it's all those stories that have come together at a time in my life when I had the chance and the opportunity to bring them to the screen so that the public could enjoy them. How do you
1: find your stories?
2: That is a good question, (laughs) and it's not always the same. The most important thing about finding my stories is that I follow my instinct. I can say it's right down to getting the shivers when I think about something or read something and I know right away that it's a story. That is my personal way uh, and that's why my projects tend to be quite diverse. They cover all areas uh, of content and I'm always looking to go into new areas of filmmaking or storytelling. They're not in a box ever. For me when I come up with a project, it's really the, the spark of that project that matters first what it's going to end up being, whether that is a film, a fiction, a documentary, a circus show, or an exhibition, that comes down the road after the spark of that project has been born. Because I don't think you can always fit a story into just filmmaking. Sometimes that story has to go beyond those boundaries to be understood. And the point for me of the story is that it's understood and that it attaches to the audience. The audience feels something. So it's not always in the form of a film.
1: You mentioned diverse in terms of your subject areas. And as I look over some of the background here, you're also diverse in a number of areas. Women's rights, for example, arts and culture. Culture, children, civil rights, uh, many many social issues. You're a, a big supporter of the uh, Doctors Without Borders. This is all by way of saying, again, do you actively seek out stories or do stories present themselves to you because of your interests or your location or your literally stumbling over a story that needs to be told?
2: That's a really good question, and I've never actually thought about it till this moment. I'd say I I actively pay attention to life. So somebody once said to me, where's your inspiration? I said, well, just sitting very still and watching life around me and listening. I think listening is one of the most important characteristics for a documentary filmmaker. I pay attention to things that are going on around me. You know, my latest film came from a newspaper article. Thousands of people read that article, but what was it when I read that article that made me go... There's something that needs to go deeper in this story, and so off I went on a three-year quest to understand the documentary Carricks, which I'm currently working on. I think I have a personal mandate, which is to bring certain elements, which include history, into the fore for people. I really feel that history on our landscape disappears and that we are, in a way, doomed to forget And so I do my best in my projects to to help us remember so that we can move forward. So all my projects, I, I can't say that I'm not more sensitive when I hear something that has a history attached to it or a quest attached to it. I am interested in understanding where we're from to understand where we're going. And this is ironic because I have a limited understanding of where I'm from. So I am a... Melange, as you say in French, a mix of Brazilian, Lebanese, West African. I, I, I'm from all parts, and I'm truly Canadian in that way. But I think it's it's seeking that out to understand for communities who they are and who we are within our community that fascinates me.
1: So are you encouraging our listeners who may be interested in documentary filmmaking or any one of the related craft categories that would come along? with that from the writing to the editing to the additional research necessary to look within themselves first for those things that stir them?
2: When I started in film we said everything has been done and that may sound negative but for us we add it hasn't been done by you and that may may sound cheesy in a way but in the end every story has been done it's just you as the author of it Bring to it your vision, your experience, and the story you want to tell. So I started from that platform. Yes, the story of the Irish has been done in Quebec. Yes, it's been done in Canada, but it hasn't been done by me. Yes, the World War One, World War I has been discussed a hundred times by hundreds of historians. But it doesn't come... With my experience as a new immigrant, as a first-generation Canadian, understanding that story. So I would encourage people to trust in their author vision of something and bring that forward in the story that they're telling.
1: I'm hearing you say it still comes from one's own experience, translated into one's own perspective on a particular story. It may be familiar... To a lot of people, but your take on it is unique and not familiar to people until they experience it for themselves.
2: Absolutely. And I think at this point, I will share that I was a producer for a number of years, which perhaps made my approach to stories a little bit unique in that I always identified when a film or a project was very author-driven. And when it was client driven, because many times you will have a client who will approach you and they'll want you to make what we'll call a corporate or a commercial or those are fantastic projects. But don't be afraid to also bring your ideas into that spectrum, because it it doesn't mean that just because you are being told the narrative, you can't bring your brand to it. That's really important. I think in my experience anyway, it has been to have the courage to say that your ideas are worth saying out loud. You need to stand up and say, okay, look, this is my idea. If you like it, if you don't, I'll never live with the regret of not having said it. Because otherwise, it'll just stay inside you and you'll, you'll feel like you're never using that voice. I think my journey from West Africa to here has taught me one of the most important lessons, which is you have a voice. You live in a culture and a society where you can use it. So use it. I don't care what you do with it. Go and be on any singing show in the United States, but use your voice. Even if you get out there and you volunteer, even if you get out there and you do craft on some fiction, just get out there and participate. Be part of that. And in in that journey, that meandering journey, you will then find yourself.
1: That's a tremendous, tremendous take on everyone's individual voice and the choice to to use it or not. Thank you very much for that. I'd like to ask you to tell the story of that spark that inspired you to do the circus piece.
2: So I've just finished my first feature-length documentary called After Circus. It was for the CBC Documentary Channel, and I was thrilled that it went to Hot Docs this year in Toronto, and it was nominated for one of the 12 Canadian films that represented Canada in France at um, Sunny Side of the Dock. So it was very exciting. When I started the project, it was while I was working with a fantastic circus troupe called Les Sept Doigts de la Main, the Seven Fingers of the Hand, which are they're, they're a group out of Montreal. And they were rehearsing and I was speaking to the artistic director And he explained to me how tough circus performers are, how resilient they are. And since I'm fascinated by resilience, I, of course, picked up on that conversation. And Sam Titor said to me that he was no longer performing and he was only 35. And he explained to me that circus performers have their careers mostly, like high-end athletes, their careers finish at 35. I was shocked by that. And so I started to research, has this always been the case? What is the world of circus? How has it led to this? Are they okay with this? And so for four years, I worked on the documentary called After Circus. The documentary was about what happens to us after the spotlight is turned off. And again, I come back to the point for me, which is that the story is not just about being a circus performer. It's about being any kind of artist. Because we are driven by passion and often obsession. We make things and we continue to produce art because we simply can't, do otherwise. It's like a writer who has to get up in the morning, pick up a pen and write. That's fantastic. There is no retirement date on that. There's no expiry date on that. (laughs) You don't get to 65 and say, oh, well, there we go, I'm done. You can't. It's it's who you are. And so I wanted to know when you're forced to physically stop, when you are a trapeze artist or you're a high-end athlete, how do you find another life after that. How are you reborn after that?
1: You know, Marvin and I often talk about the recurring themes that seem to appear no matter what craft category or what type of artist we may be speaking with. And certainly one of those is just what you mentioned. It often comes back to who you are and how that impacts the stories that you tell. We're we're getting very near the end of our current time, but Viveka, you've touched on so many important things, and I really do want to get into what turns your crank in terms of the production process, specifically research. May I ask if, in fact, I could come back again and pursue some of the paths that you've started to take us down as a community here?
2: Fred, I would love that, because I think what you're touching upon are the core